Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the App Advice Weekly Podcast that is all about WWDC. I'm your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. This week, we go through the ins and outs of a lengthy WWDC keynote with new software, hardware, and a few sneak peeks. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. It was a it was a good show today, and I, like it actually moved. It moved along, even though it was long. It didn't feel overly long this time. Like I thought, everything kept moving at a swift pace. Yeah, Craig Federici, he was just bullet point, just smashing it out, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like normally, like even like the demos would drag on normally, or there'd be something kind of boring. Even the stuff that I didn't necessarily totally care about, I felt like it just moved along, and I didn't have a problem listening to it and even like the demos they tried to infuse some humor sometimes it felt a little forced but it still worked like i thought everyone seemed to be having fun this time yeah they cut out a lot of the fat too they didn't like have to fill airtime or come up with these really tiny features they had so much to go over that they just had to get to it Right, yeah, yeah, and at times it almost felt a little rushed just because you could tell they had so much content to get through and so the big new item is iOS 11, which is going to be coming this fall. There was a beta for developers today. There's going to be a beta for everyone like a month down the road. And there's no big, huge, like, get iOS 11 and you get this. It's more like they just, here's a laundry list of stuff that we've improved and enhanced to make your iOS life easier. And that starts with the Messages app, where there's now a new little quick app drawer rather than that horrible interface they introduced in <laughs> iOS 10 where you get lost in all those different icons. So now you have quick access to that, and that connects in with Apple Pay support built into iMessage to kind of compete with Venmo and PayPal and the like to give peer-to-peer payment services, but built right into iMessage. And that was a really slick Im- implementation of peer-to-peer payment. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like right there, right at your fingertips, super easy to do. I mean, even it even prompts you in that in the suggestions on the keyboard. If you want to do it, if you start to type like I owe you $10, the button was right there to add that payment. So it they make it as easy as possible to add it in. And like you said, with the the app drawer gone and now they have this nice little scrolling thing for your stickers and easy to put it in and one other aspect of it that they added was now iMessage is going to be in the in iCloud so I don't know about you but if I look at my iMessages it takes up a huge amount of space on my device like I think it's multiple gigs worth of space just because of all those stickers all the attachments and things people put in and so now by having it in the cloud, you're only going to have the most recent content stored locally on your device. The rest will all be out in iCloud. Yes, it's going to require some people to have more space in iCloud, but I already pay for the 200 gigs. So to have less space taken up actually on my device with all that iMessage stuff will be a nice little addition. And I'm hoping that maybe iCloud.com will add iMessage support, which means then from a PC, I could send and receive iMessages as well. Well, that they didn't mention, but I'm hoping that is part of this whole update. Yeah, I usually just keep it most the past 30 days to kind of reduce the amount of storage for my message. But I know that can get, I mean, I did that because it was taking up so much space. 
Right. Yeah. So at least now, if you could just keep all that content, still have it searchable, but have it offline, sort of, uh, that would be great. Because I, yeah, mine, I didn't want to delete down to just 30 days because there's messages sometimes I want to go back and find. And I didn't, so I just have it keep everything forever and ever and ever. And obviously it's built up over time. Right. And then Siri's going to get some improvements. So there's a new, subtly more natural voice to both the male and female versions of Siri with changing inflection. So the example they had, they said sunny essentially three different ways. So, you know, it's like, it's different inflection to describe the conditions to make it just more kind of friendlier personal assistant idea. And then Siri Kit's going to be updated for third-party developers, and they showed an example of Things 3, Evernote, City Mobile Payments, QR Codes, and WeChat. So, you know, there's different implementations of Siri. And then Siri's going to have a translation beta included with Chinese, French, German, Italian, and Spanish at the outset. Yeah, now the one thing I didn't fully understand about that inflection changes in Siri, is she going to be able to recognize... Uh, like the context of the sentence and give a more natural inflection based on the context? Or were they saying they will just kind of randomize the way that she uses those inflections to so that it sounds slightly differently each time? That's what I didn't really fully understand. They kind of rushed through that part. Yeah, I, I don't know either. If it's just randomized, I mean, I guess that helps a little so it's not so robotic, but if it's based like is it going to be hot next week? You have a negative connotation to it where is it going to be warm next week? It's more of a positive idea so she could respond accordingly. Right, right. And that's what I'm hoping because they kept on emphasizing over and over again this machine language learning, machine language learning. And so I'm hoping it's part of all of this added intelligence to Siri that now she'll get a better idea of the context of the sentence or your meaning behind it based on how you're saying it that now they'll have a better response. So, yeah, it doesn't sound as robotic and it sounds more natural the way a normal person might respond to the way you're asking the question. Right. And so also they updated Control Center. And so I know there's been some complaints to the iOS 10 edition that splits up your idea into multiple screens. So now they've put it back all into a single screen. You still just swipe up anywhere in iOS to access Control Center. But it's now it, there's bigger buttons to press and then there's bigger sliders to activate. And then if you have a 3D touch on your device, you can use force touch to open up more options. Like if you tap on music controls, you get the full settings and various items like that. So that's a pretty neat kind of improvement on Control Center. But now it does overlay the entire screen. Previously, you could still see the screen in the background. So now it covers it up entirely like you drop-down notification center? Yeah, so I don't mind it covering the entire screen because I found it super annoying when they started splitting things across screens, especially if there's a certain thing you wanted and you brought it up and you weren't on that section. So, like, if I want to switch my to my AirPods, now i got to scroll over a couple of screens to get it. Or I had to – or I wanted to use something with HomeKit, and now this is over all the way in, like, the third screen. Now i got to swipe and get over there, especially in a situation where – you're trying to do, do something quickly, which is usually why you're going to control center. And now you're kind of in it 
doing it, like having to go through all multiple screens just to get to this quick little setting that you just wanted to change. Where having it full screen, I, it doesn't matter as long as everything's quickly there. And I like that force touch option. I don't have force touch right now, but to have that in the future to then dive in deeper to some of these settings, that is the best way to implement this. Just because you still have everything there at your fingertips and you can access it from that screen, but to not have it overwhelm you with all of this stuff, but still access the core stuff that you need quickly and easily, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, it was definitely a much needed improvement versus where they went to last year. And then kind of on that same idea is that Notification Center and Lock Screen are now consistently one in the same. So when you unlock your device, your notific you have notifications on your lock device. So when you unlock it, those are going to send right into Notification Center, but it's going to look exactly the same whether you know you swipe down for Notification Center or you're on the lock screen with the same swipe over for widgets and swipe right for the camera. So they've made it one consistent idea, though it didn't seem like it necessarily grouped the notifications together or no, no, any kind of like click keep... here. Yeah. yeah, no, it still didn't seem to like do any kind of a better organization of your notifications. It just kind of made it so you can access them all from just swiping differently, swiping up from that lock screen instead of uh, while you're on that lock screen. So it, it is a nicer implementation, but I still don't think it's fully what people were hoping for. Right. And then Apple updated some of their stock apps. One interesting one is the camera where they kind of made it more appealing to capture live, live photos because they have three built-in kind of intelligent editing f features. So first you can easily adjust the key photo for a live photo, but then there's three modes. So you can turn it into a loop or a GIF style photo with your live photo, or then you can have that bounce rewind effect to play back in the loop. Or one of the neatest is that you can turn your live photo into a long exposure since it's capturing over that set time. And I don't know how it works in real use, but the example that Apple showed was pretty awesome. Yeah, no, the long exposure was definitely the best of those three. The other ones are gimmicky at best. Like, I don't foresee myself using It's like using Instagram those. boomerang or something. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, but the long exposure, that actually looked impressive. But it just like you said, I they showed us a really specific good demo. Whether or not ever, you can get that kind of effect in your own stuff, I don't know for sure. I guess we'll find out once it comes. Well, actually, right now, I don't even have a phone that can do the 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 live photos, so it'll be the next phone that I get will do it. But uh, I'm curious to see how well that works on in real use. Yep. And then the Maps app has been updated with detailed floor plans for maps and airports or for malls and airports in select cities, which it showed Los Angeles, so I'm covered, and it looked pretty it, neat. Boston was there, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, that looked really good. I mean, that's that's information that probably should have been there a long time ago. That, that's readily available. The malls, was that was more interesting to me almost because they had to go out and get that, where the actual airport, that stuff should have been available for some time now. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that was never in there before. But the, the malls themselves, that I, that I wasn't expecting at all. Like, that was kind of a shock to me. 
Yeah, I hate trying to load up the mall map. You know, you go to their website or something, trying to get it to load, or you have to go to that annoying directory. Thing, and I don't tend yeah. to go to malls that often anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then they also kind of helped out when you're driving with new lane guidance, which seems like it should have been there, but also the speed limit banner speed in the limit, upper left. Yes. So, yeah, if you're going 90 and it says 65, you might want to slow down, but that's up to you. It just is a suggestion. <laughs> No, the and speed another limit suggestion. Is the best thing. I yeah. love the another suggestion limit. is the do not disturb while driving, where it uses either Bluetooth to know that your device is connected to your car, or if you have an older model, it uses kind of the proximity sensor of your device to tell how quick you're traveling, and then can have a special function to say do not disturb while driving. And I don't know if people are going to activate this, but if they do, then it can definitely help be offering safer driving practices because you're not getting annoying notifications while you're driving for any reason to look at your phone. Right. I'm wondering if this is going to be something that ends up in uh, restrictions that you can force it on as a parent can turn this on on a child's device to make sure that they have it on. And then they can force, obviously, their own messages through. Because one of the options you had on this was you could pick individuals that you definitely want their things to come through. That way, if there's an emergency or something, they can get in touch with you. But I thought this – I'm curious to see how this works with – like, say I'm playing an audiobook or I'm playing music. Do I still have the controls that I can be skipping forward and backward amongst songs or in chapters of my audiobook? with like the the on the steering wheel controls while this is enabled if that is available i'm fine with that 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 works for me because i'd rather not see these messages i'd rather people to be able to have an auto respond and say i'm driving i can't text you back right now you'll have to wait uh, but i did like that thing, auto response yeah the only well the only other part that i don't know is what if you're using um like a train just getting driving directions or something like how does it does it still show you that stuff and then just kind of doesn't show you that black screen that they showed in the demo but blocks out the notifications from popping up i, I assume that's going to be how it works that if you have other apps that you do want running in the foreground they're not going to be completely blocked out it's only going to be blocking messages and things from popping up on the screen yeah, i think it's and, like do not disturb on your phone you know, when you turn Do Not Disturb on, you have full access to it. It just doesn't send you notifications. I think that's all they're okay. doing. They're not going to okay. the full step to black out your phone while it's in the car. Okay, well, that's what he was showing on the screen. That's what confused me because he's like, this is the display you'll get, and it's a black yeah. screen. I think it's because he overlapped two points that he was making at once. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, I mean, I wish that like you said, parents could turn it on. Like I remember just a couple of weeks ago, they were talking about how if you run somebody over while you're texting, that's still manslaughter. You didn't mean to do it. There was no intent to do it, but you still did it. So anything to possibly prevent that kind of thing that Apple could put system wide into the operating system is pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, no, I think this is a, a welcome addition. And I, I really hope it shows up in that, that, that restrictions area. Yep. And then AirPlay 2, did it just offer multi-room speaker control? Is that the only improvement of that That's protocol? What I, 
Yeah, that's what I kind of got. It, well, there was a whole – I thought there was a listing of some additional – it was one of those screens. Like in these presentations, Apple will pop up a screen, and there's always like a whole bunch of small writing. And there's other features they don't necessarily talk about in depth. But I thought there might have been one for this AirPlay too because the only thing they ever talked about was the addition of the multi-room audio. Maybe there's other features because they said there's a whole uh, API kit for it. And so I think I that just allows Pandora things. to do the same kind of multi-speaker setup. Well, no, because they also have that party playlist that they're adding for Apple Music that was part of this, I thought. Or maybe that was separate. We have that, that shared up next list. Yeah, that maybe that is AirPlay based. Connect to others. Hmm. Because that was actually pretty neat. If you're at a party... You know, you can send your next song from your playlist into the current playlist, so it's going to be the next song, and a bunch of people at a party could throw their songs in. Right, yeah, so everyone can kind of pick and choose what songs they want to hear coming up. So, yeah, I think that was all related to this, because I have that all in my notes, all in that section of uh, the HomeKit section with the AirPlay 2. Hmm, that's good to know. And then the App Store is going to get a redesign in iOS 11. It's not necessarily... A feature-rich improvement, but it's definitely a change in look and just structure. So you'll now open the App Store and you're given a Today View. And instead of that current banners at the top and then best new games we love, best new apps we love, here's five things we're playing today, all that whole long list of stuff and grid interface, you're now given a Today View where it's set up as stories and tips for very specific apps as well as an app of the day, game of the day, and list of the day with five apps and that's the today view and supposedly it's going to change every single day for this first day it had monument valley 2 as the main kind of news story and then there was a whole piece about us two games and the development of the sequel and then it includes the purchase link at the end but it's kind of giving more background about the developer and what went into a game instead of just the product landing page Right. It's much nicer because then you actually get some history and it gives you a little more information of why they might have chosen to feature this game, where a lot of times you see these things, you're like, why is this even up here? It looks terrible. I I want to know what made them choose this game. And at least getting the history of these developers or at least some thought process behind the game, it might make you more interested in it. Maybe it will answer questions of like, should I even try this game? Should I buy this game? But it was kind of nice that they also had a way that if you did miss a day, like I don't tend to go to the app store every single day, but they had ways that it sounded like you were going to be able to go back and see previous days as well. So that way you can have this history of seeing, oh, wait, I missed yesterday's. What was it? And you can go back and read through these various things you might have missed to just get a little more information of what the app is all about and who, who developed it. I can't wait till they get to those days and have that person have to write about the latest Clash of Clans or Candy Crush clone that's featured. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious how they're going to keep this up every single day. They must have, they're going to have to write them in advance at this point. There's no way they're writing these every single day. But it it was an interesting, I mean, it's not going to solve the searchability and discoverability problem, but it's definitely looked like a nicer format 
for it and just like a, a more welcoming format and to add that area where they give you tips for the games or just have other ways and even the way they laid out the reviews it was a little more obvious of what the review breakdown was for for the app without having to click into the star rating to see well what was four five stars four stars three stars so it, it, it i like the format a little bit better it, it was nicer to see everything at a glance and then dig in for a little more depth on the app if you wanted to and now there's a standalone tab just for games so you don't have to be confused with apps and if you're not a game person there's a tab just for apps and so it lets them kind of develop each separate area more with specific geared lists for just games you know rather than just what's trending or for apps without being bogged down with what we're playing today yeah i'm hoping that with this new apps tab we'll actually see more focus on new apps not just updated apps or apps that have been around for a long time I want to see what are the new apps because you and I have had problems with this in the in the past where we can't find what the new stuff is. We see all the stuff they tend to feature is updated or this just got an update where actually I want to see what's new. Like what are people doing? What are they developing app-wise versus games? Because games, there's a lot of it. There's plenty of it. But apps, it seems like it's much slower. It's not, there's not as much innovation there. Or I'm just missing things because they're not doing a very good job of really making these new apps featured or where you get to see them. And I'm hoping that now with this new kind of setup they have where they're going to dig into the new app developers and all of this information that we start to see it kind of pushed up to the top more. Yeah, because the apps are definitely not. So games are always like we've talked about. They're always currently happening and apps. It's a lot tougher. And hopefully with this standard area that they need to fill all around it's not just oh here Evernote is updated again or whatever the case yeah. may be <laughs> yeah and then the individual product pages it looked like developers can add multiple videos now instead of just one video plus all the screenshots and the first one might autoplay when you click on it I couldn't exactly tell from their demo but it looked like it might okay yeah I didn't notice it that'd be cool and so that's pretty much the app store like you said it's not going to be, oh, now I can find all these games I never heard about or these apps I didn't know existed. It's just a cleaner way, and I think they want you to visit the app store every day, and that's the main kind of push behind it. Right, yep. And then we've talked about this, I don't know how many different separate <laughs> episodes, but, man, it would be great if Apple offered a version of ios specific for ipad and it's like nah that's probably never going to happen well it actually did happen ios 11 has a specific build for the ipad that does things on the ipad only the ipad and doesn't worry about the compatibility with the phone and the first is an all-new dock where their example there was 18 apps in their little bottom dock they're just they're all kinds of stuff in there and then the very right hand side is that multitasking version, or not multitasking, but continuity version, where if you have maps on your phone, the little map icon will be on the right, far right of the dock so you can resume it on your iPad, or vice versa. And then there's a new app switcher, which it reminded me of Mission Control on the Mac, where you have multiple windows on screen, plus there's Control Center on the right, and then that dock is still currently always active. 
And then that dock is built into a whole new drag and drop function where once you activate multitasking, you can drag and drop text, links, photos between the two apps that are currently live. And it's really what people have been asking for for a while and Apple implemented it and it looks like a really smooth operation in doing so. Right. It looks like Mac OS running on an iPad. Like if you just were to quickly look at it, you would see that dock and it looks like the Mac dock and then mission control is that was my first thought when you drag out and then you have these, I forget what he called them. He called them, uh, he didn't call them scenes. I, he had like groupings of spaces. Like if you did the splits, I'm sorry, what did you say? Was it spaces? I might've missed that, spaces. but that's what they called on yes, the Mac. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. I never even knew what they're called. I just drag <laughs> up and they're there because I'm late to the Mac game. But uh, yeah, so it's even called spaces. And so you have this the groupings where you've already done like a split screen. And now you kind of drag those off and pull in a new set that you might have two apps running in split screen together. And so it just seemed like a really smooth experience. And I'm sure he was flying through this. So obviously he had a lot of experience with it where you could then like, if you're doing the drag and drop, you could have one thing you're already starting to drag and then just tap with your other finger to select more of the items so that you could like drag pictures in the mail or drag other things. So you had this, just a smooth multitasking experience, which is, this is what they really needed before when they were touting, this is a PC replacement. Now they finally have an OS that might actually be able to accomplish it, that along with another feature we're going to talk about in a, in a couple of seconds, uh, where it finally felt like you really do have a possibility of this PC replacement. Yeah, and that other feature is a whole new file system, which I didn't think Apple would ever implement a file system for the iPad but they didn't just give one that views everything stored locally on your device, but actually connects to various cloud services. So you can view your Dropbox or OneDrive or Box files right within this whole file system with nested folders that are spring-loading. You have the list view, you have favorited items, you have tag system, plus you have the whole deluxe search. It's a really awesome uh, file system that I didn't ever see coming. <laughs> Yeah, no, and the nice part is when you're searching, if you have all these Dropbox and other other services, it's searching across all those things at the same time. So now your listing of files will give you them all in those various, whether it's on iCloud or or on Dropbox or or you have it all access in one place. So now your file system is like a universal file system that you just have access to all of this content without having to go to these different services and find these files. It's all just unified and you have that spotlight search to search through it, which is great. I mean, it looked like it was going to be fantastic. Yeah, it. I'm... You know, I didn't know if I would download the beta, but I might download the beta on the iPad just to see how the drag and drop works and the smoothness with the new dock and that file system and how well it accesses and quickly searches through everything. Because I don't even have that much stuff stored on my iPad just because I mainly use the Mac and this might change the way I kind of use my devices. 
Well, especially where you can have the iCloud content sync across and you have, like I use Dropbox all the time. And to be able to access those files in more of a file system rather than going to Dropbox, like either the web page or something, or you, launching the app every time, to have it just an easily searchable just from anywhere, that would be so much better to be able to quickly find the content I'm looking for if I just want to bring up a PDF file or some other file that I have stored in Dropbox without having to go someplace else where if I can just drag down for search, type in the search I'm looking for, if it works, that is saves me so much time. Yeah, you wouldn't even need to have the Dropbox app and then you have to save something, you know, say it's a photo, you have to save it into the Photos app and then go to the Photos app to find it. It's a whole convoluted process that they're trying to rectify and we'll see how it works. Yep. And then to run this fancy new OS... Apple has a brand new iPad. So this iOS 11 is going to work on every iPad that iOS 10 runs on. So that shouldn't be a problem, especially if you already have built-in multitasking. It should be good. But they do have a new 10.5-inch iPad Pro to replace the 9.7-inch. It's the long-rumored version where they reduce the size of the bezels to have pretty much the same footprint as the 9.7-inch, but there's a bigger screen built in. And that means there's it supports a full screen keyboard that's why they chose the 20 percent larger screen the full screen on-screen keyboard as well as full-size hardware keyboard the device still weighs just a pound the device still has 10 hour battery life but now it has the a10x chip which is supposedly 30 percent faster for cpu 40 percent faster for graphics and then that A10X is going to come to the 12.9-inch model. That's the only update the 12.9-inch is getting. It was mainly about that 10.5-inch. But, I mean, in terms of hardware, the iPad, there's not... We've talked about There's not that much Apple could do hardware-wise. So to have the big software update for the iPad, it really doesn't make the iPad upgrade hardware-wise as appealing. Right now, did it already used to have the 12 megapixel cameras that the iPhone 7 has and then the front-facing 7 megapixel? I don't no, remember. They, yeah, the... they updated the cameras. So now the cameras on the iPhone 7, not the iPhone 7 Plus, but the iPhone 7 cameras for both the rear and the front are available on the iPad because we love iPad picture taking. Yeah, I know. That was my first thought when you saying, now we've got these awesome cameras on there. I'm like, great. Now now people are going to have their big, giant 13-inch iPads and the 10.5-inch iPads blocking your view while they take photos. Well, the one other thing they did do was they doubled the, the low-end size. Well, actually, they doubled all the sizes of storage on them as well. So now they started the 64 gig instead of Previously, the Pro was 32 and 128, and then they offered the 256, I believe. And now yeah. you get 64, 256, or 512 as your three size options. So that 512, that's insane amount of space on an iPad. So like if you, even if you went middle ground, you'd be doubling what you used to be able to get at the middle ground before. So yeah, I have that 32 gigabyte iPad, and just to start at 64 gigabyte, just by waiting, I upgraded from 16 gigabytes to 64 gigabytes over the years. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's about time that Apple started 64 gigabytes as the base level, especially on the iPad, if they want it to be kind of a computer replacement. Though 
emphasizing all the different cloud storages. I don't know if you'll ever use 512 gigabytes on your iPad, but maybe. I could find a way. Yeah, I yeah, know no, you. No, 512, that's, that's more than what I, I think. I, I don't even remember what I got on this MacBook. I think I have a 250. No, I must have a 512. Maybe I have 256. I don't even remember what I have. Yeah, my MacBook space. Air has 256. <laughs> Maybe I have 256, but I'm almost out of space on my MacBook all the time. To have 512 on an iPad, that yeah, that would be tough to fill unless you start loading tons of movies or if you do lots of like raw photo editing on there. Uh, I don't know. It would probably be pretty tough to fill that up. And then the 10.5 inch is going to start at 649, so they updated it 50 bucks from the 599 price for the 9.7 inch iPad Pro. And then the 12.9 inch still starts at 799, and again those both start at 64 gigabytes, and then 100 bucks more for each storage doubling. Yep. And so that's the new iPad to go with iOS 11. Though, like I said, iOS 11 is going to fully run on the existing iPad Pro, regardless of the screen size. And oh, then, and that new, the iPad is orderable now, and I think it ships next week. You'll get it by next week, I believe it is. I think it's like a seven-day yeah. period. And it's going to ship with iOS 10, obviously, but it will be ready for iOS 11 in the fall. Yep. And then it's on to the Macs, where Apple introduced macOS 10.13. And so 10.12 is called Sierra. And this version, it's kind of like the leopard, snow leopard lion mountain lion kind of cycle so this one the last one was sierra so this one's called high sierra and despite the relatively disappointing name it kind of fits into that mold of further refinements it's not like here's some big new mac feature that's going to change the way you use your mac it's just optimizations and improvements to the mac because it's a relatively legacy os at this point and kind of the biggest change is they rewrote the file system. So they're going to use Apple file system as the new default. And so Apple claimed a bunch of stuff, like it's optimized for modern flash storage. It has 64-bit architecture, and it's better for privacy when you need to completely erase your device. But they showed an instance where if you've ever duplicated like big files, video files on your device, that little finder thing comes up and it's progressing. It's like 15 seconds, and it might jump up to 30 seconds while it's processing. So they did it in their demo, the same exact process, and it was nearly instantaneously. I don't know if it's going to work like that for me, but <laughs> I I still want that. There's so many times I've waited so long for files to replicate. So the one thing I'm really hoping for is, like we saw uh, with the iPads, I'm hoping that I get a lot of space back when it switches over to this. I'm hoping that all of a sudden, like, stuff is compressed better or whatever they do uh, to, to improve the file storage, that all of a sudden I free up some space. They didn't even, they didn't really mention that, that if it would end up giving you space back or not. I think it's because it varies so much because it goes back to support, like, 2011 MacBooks. So it can oh, vary true, so true. much. Yeah. Yeah, it will vary a lot in that case, yeah. But I'm sure on newer models, it probably won't be as impactful. I think like maybe a 2011 MacBook, it would change a lot more than, say, last year's MacBook. Yeah, yeah. And then Apple's also going to transition from H.264 to H.265 for videos, and that's going to improve playback and storage by 40%. 
and sure i that kind of went over my head but by all means <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well and then they were also going to do something similar with uh with images as well they said that they have their own kind of version of it for images as well which is going to help reduce the size of those but they would still be compatible with systems that don't necessarily use that h265 or i forget what they were calling the the image version of it uh they said your videos will still be perfectly compatible with other systems yeah they mainly talked about the photos when it was on ios yes yeah and then yeah yeah they updated some apps like safari now apple likes to claim it's the fastest desktop browser and it might be but regardless (laughs) it doesn't seem to have the yeah the widest adoption but they're always trying to change that so now apple has improved uh intelligent tracking prevention so it doesn't have like that know where you shop to give you targeted ads and then they're also gonna improve the autoplay block autoplay videos yeah that thing did look good. Like, I kind of wish I had that in Chrome because that is so obnoxious. When you are reading through a website and all of a sudden some video down the page that you didn't even notice starts playing, you're like, where's that audio coming from? I don't want to hear this, whatever is playing. And then you start scrolling to try to find it, to pause it because it's super annoying. I would really like to see other browsers adopt that as well. And not only is the audio annoying, but it has to load that video and there's like ad before and your whole web, you're like, why is the browser like slowing down to a halt? And it's because it's loading some video that you didn't even want to (laughs) watch. Yeah. So yeah, that was pretty neat. But I mean, Hi Sierra, it's not like this big, huge changes. Photos has a new edit panel with enhancements that are going to be able to be carried over to third-party apps like Photoshop and Pixelmator. And then... Mail has a new full screen view and supposedly is optimized to use 35% less disk space for storing your old mail messages. And I know mail is a big memory hog or resource hog on my computer. I see. I don't, I tend to just use uh, directly in Gmail for my mail. I, I never pulled it into Mac mail. So they never had a split view where you had the compose window over on the right and you had the rest of it over on the left. I was surprised to hear that was brand new, that they didn't have that before. I think that was mainly just in full screen. I don't know. I'm using Airmail. I have no idea about the Stockmail app. I haven't used it for years. And then then they also said now you can search in mail using Spotlight as well. Uh, Spotlight search. It will search through there. And then there's also Metal 2, which it's better performance for graphics. And then it also supports VR, even though... I don't know if I'm going to run VR games on my Mac if I'm going to go to the VR route. Yeah, no, it, I, it wouldn't be a Mac that I'd run VR. I would run it. I'd use like a, a console. If I'm ever going to get into the VR game, it would be on the console. But I know a lot yeah. of people on PCs use Steam and use uh, the HTC Vive or the uh, or uh, Oculus for, for those. So I guess to, to now support this stuff on, on a Mac is nice as long as you have a powerful enough graphics card and processor to, to push this kind of stuff then uh yeah why not i mean if you if you want to get in the game and that and you have a mac you don't have a pc then it makes sense to finally have support for it but 
yeah, for me, it would be a, a console is where I would try it. I don't tend to play games on my on my MacBook. And then there's new hardware to kind of support that idea on the brand new iMacs. First off, they're all going to be upgraded to the Cabillac Lake processors from Intel. And then it's going to have up to 32 gigabytes of RAM on the 21.5-inch model. And then up to 64 gigabytes on the 27-inch model. And just the very baseline 21.5-inch uh, iMac is going to have integrated graphics. Every other model is going to have their own discrete graphics cards. And the pricing, I mean, it's not that bad. To get the 4K iMac, it starts at $1299. If you want that super baseline iMac, it's $1099. And then the 27-inch starts at $1799. But 4K screen at $1299 for the all-built-in computer, that wasn't too bad of a price. Yeah, that didn't seem too bad to me. For granted, it's a twenty-five point in, a twenty-one point five inch screen, but yeah, it 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 didn't seem too badly priced. I mean, if you want to jump up to the twenty-seven inch, you're talking about like another five hundred bucks. So yeah. I I mean, it's up to you if you want if the twenty twenty-one and a half inches is fine for you. I know a lot of people just really like that one big twenty-seven inch screen, so. I, I don't know. It, to me, yeah, the, for entry level at 4K display that and a, a terabyte of storage, it didn't seem that bad at all to me at the 1300 bucks. And then the MacBook Pro line was updated with the same Cabby Lake processors, and that was pretty much it. It's the same models they updated in fall of 2016 with Touch Bar and all that good stuff. And so now it's just a processor bump. And then... I was hoping that that $17.99 entry-level price on the 13-inch MacBook with Touch Bar would go down, but it's still $17.99. Apple did drop the non-Touch Bar version from $14.99 down to $12.99, so that's now their entry-level at the MacBook Pro. But No, I think that was that, that's pretty much it. wasn't it? It was $13.99, no, they, they dropped it to $12. Because then they have the $14.99, which is the $256 storage. I don't know. I think their entry level is fourteen ninety nine. But yeah, that's I was the, hoping that's that... the price that disappeared with the magic fairy dust when they were talking about it. Oh, is fourteen ninety nine that disappeared? Yeah, because yeah. they list right now. They list a, a one twenty eight at twelve ninety nine and a two fifty six at fourteen ninety nine. Then you jump up to that seventeen ninety nine for that touch bar. I'm surprised that touch bar did not drop in price, unless they were just worried they were going to upset people that just bought these not that long ago. It just seems too high. Like they had to have found a way to reduce the price of building these things. And I don't know. It's seventeen ninety nine is just far too high for a thirteen inch in entry level with that touch bar. Yeah, because now you've made it a bigger gap. It, I think it was three hundred bucks, fourteen ninety nine to seventeen ninety nine for touch bar, no touch bar. Now it's twelve ninety nine up to seventeen ninety nine. So there's no way the well, touch no, bar no, was no, worth the three hundred dollar difference, and now it's five. No, because that seventeen ninety nine is the two fifty six. So you're you're still at the fourteen ninety nine to seventeen ninety nine nope. to get I'm, the touch bar. I'm just looking at it as a consumer, not looking at the details. You see, this one's twelve ninety nine. This one's seventeen ninety nine. I don't care what you break it down into. That <laughs> people are just going to be turned off by that right away. I'm not paying seventeen ninety nine when you're selling a thirteen hundred dollar computer. Yes. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's pretty much, they didn't do much with the MacBook, but they did give a sneak peek of the all-new iMac Pro, because Pro is their favorite name to add on to stuff. I'm sure it's going to be called iPhone Pro when we get to the fall, but regardless, sure <laughs> it, yes. 
The iMac Pro, the first noticeable thing is that it comes in space gray. And for me, the space gray keyboard and the mouse was probably the thing that I wanted the most because this iMac Pro isn't for everyone. It's it's not a, quite a Mac Pro replacement, but it kind of appeals to people who are kind of disappointed that the Mac Pro hasn't been updated for a while and that they're not going to be able to find... Apple's not going to get a replacement, I think, until 2018 for like a full deluxe Mac Pro. So this kind of holds them over. And so you have a choice of 8-core, 10-core, 18-core Xeon processor, 16 gigabytes of VRAM, and then I love 22 teraflops half precision. No, no, Apple, I don't know what that is. And then it's going to start at five grand. <laughs> yeah, that base, and that's, that's a I've good price. Yeah, well, it's also that built-in screen too. It like the the old MacBook Pro. I mean, the old uh, Mac Pro. Mac that Pro. doesn't have the built-in screen, right? That's a separate. Yeah, it's CPU just that little trash screen. can. Yes, right. yeah, that that futuristic trash can thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, but so this looks like an iMac, it, but it has that space gray in color, and then has this new cooling system that allows them to to run the 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 better processor and all that, all of the internals that really jack this thing up. And, but for 5,000, I mean, you're obviously going to be a pro user, someone who's doing rendering or like video, supreme like video editing or something like really big that you Some need this professional much. professional aspect of business or like, you know, right, I'm making right. animations for Pixar or something. <laughs> right. It's, it's a workstation. It's not like your home computer that you're just going to be doing your your normal fun stuff on. This is I'm browsing the web. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Five grand to browse the web. Yep. And but it starts at five grand. So if they have the eight core, ten core, and eighteen core, oh, the eighteen options, core is going to be I, insane. Yeah, I don't even know how high it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but you do get that twenty-seven inch five K display, like you said. So that is kind of say the other one. What's it start at? It starts at eighteen hundred. So you know you have that eight hundred dollar base level. And now you're upgrading all the internals to it, and you get that badass space gray color. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the Mac update. And so I don't know if I want to get any new Mac hardware. I don't think I even care to download the beta of the Mac software, but it's going to be coming this fall. And the Macs are going to be available now. You can order them today, and they're shipping right away. Yep, yep. Oh, except for Other that, than that the, Pro. Yeah. iMac Pro is this December. And then speaking of this December, Apple has another sneak peek of something that's launching at the end of the year, and that's the HomePod which is the name for Apple's new speaker system. And so we mentioned that MacBook Pro, this kind of look, or just Mac Pro, this looks like that Mac Pro trash can, but with like a mesh speaker coating to it. So they're getting some use out of that design. And it's designed, first and foremost, Apple mainly built it as a speaker. Like going into the event, it was talked to compete with the Amazon Echo and it does that but that's not how apple positioned it they positioned it as a super deluxe speaker with a seven tweeter array on the bottom and then a four inch upward facing woofer and all kinds of spatial recognition to figure out the size of a room and adjust the audio tendencies and sound waves accordingly so it was all kind of a sound emphasis 
And then even when they started mentioning Siri, it's so I can play certain songs, ask who the drummer is on this song, all various kind of playlist Apple Music ideas. And then finally, Phil Schiller got to the point that, oh, also you can ask about news and sports and certain Siri aspects. Right. So it's got an 88 chip built into it. So it's basically... It's an it's like a more powerful Amazon Echo at this point. Like it, they gave this demo and it was kind of a weird demo. And obviously you're not going to be able to hear through like your own speakers how this speaker sounds or how it adjusts to a room. So they tried to do this demo, which felt a little awkward and less rehearsed than their normal stuff while they were go while Phil was going through it. And. So they're going through this whole thing, and then they, they finally get away from the Apple Music. They're pushing Apple Music over and over and over again. Finally, they mention these other features, which are any of these Google Home or Amazon Echo type features that people are used to asking about. And then they throw out all these pricing numbers to try to confuse you. Like a really nice speaker is this much money and a smart speaker is usually around like 150 to $200. Well, we are going to give you this thing for $349. Well, it's a smart speaker. And so Echo costs 180 bucks. It's twice as expensive as an Echo. So it's the type of thing where I think you're going to have to hear this in person to see if it's even worth it because they are so late to the game at this point, three years in and echo, like they go on like I, for, uh, I don't mean the pun, but fire sales, uh, all the time, like around black Friday and people just buy these things up and they already have all these devices in their house. The dot was like super cheap. Granted the speaker on that thing is terrible. I don't know how good the, the speaker on the echo is comparatively, but a lot of people already own these type of devices. So unless you really want to, you already own a phone that can do all the Siri stuff. So unless you really have a reason for wanting a speaker that can then do the the series stuff people are already invested in other ecosystems at this point and so do you want to spend 349 on this one speaker when you probably already have devices that do this kind of stuff in your home already it has to be a really good sounding speaker for people to want to do this and i just don't think in this venue it's really going to come off it's going to have to be some way they can really show it off in the stores to sell this thing to people to make them want it. Granted, you got people that are like, I love Apple, everything. I'm going to go and buy this no matter what. It's got to be good because it's twice as expensive. But I don't know how well it's going to do. I think it's going to do well, but I don't think it's going to be this echo killer that a lot of these clickbait headlines are trying to make it out to be. No, if you like Apple, I'll take six, and you have the whole home stereo <laughs> system set up. Well, he did try home to sell theater two. system. <laughs> yeah, because they do say, oh, link wait, together. You see how it is with two. Yeah, and so for me, it feels like they don't want to even acknowledge that the Amazon Echo or Google Home exists, and essentially are just competing on that music idea. Like you said, it felt weird. Like I think they don't, they didn't want to talk about this until the fall. But there were so many rumors and. People just came to the expectation that Apple has a new smart speaker that they decided to sneak peek it, and it's not shipped until December, and so it kind of felt rushed, and I don't think they fully built out the smart part of it. Like, they made a really 
probably great speaker because Apple's really good at music. They bought Beats, so they should have an ear for that to make something good on that aspect. But the smart aspect kind of gets lost. And so that's why I think they talk so much about Sonos speakers and just those various home speakers, Bose speakers you would have in your house. Like we're competing with them and we're not even acknowledging those things. But you do have Siri, too, that those things don't have. Right, right. I think they're trying to position themselves as something different, even though it is pretty much the same. It might be a way better speaker that's in the side of that thing, but they're, the market they're going after are those Google Home and, and Echo. Now, the one thing comment I did see about this that now I can't unsee it is that white version looks like a someone's like elbow or knee pad from like sports. And now I can't unsee it. That now that it, now that I I pictured that it it's really not the most attractive looking thing. The black one looks I think a lot better, or space gray looks better than the white version does. But it's basically a big kind of s- semi roundish speaker. I don't know that it's it looks like a lot the most... like the Mac Pro. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that would be much bigger. Like this is like seven inches tall, and I don't know it. I, it to me, it didn't look like the most attractive looking thing. Although it did say, like, when Siri's talking to you, you're going to see those waveforms appear on the top. So that might look kind of cool. But I don't know. It, it, I'm sure because, like, I didn't think the Apple Watch at its insane overpriced price would do well. And that's doing well. So I'm sure there's going to be a market for this. People like to spend money. Uh, but <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's... I, to me, it's just it's not compelling enough to me for me to go out and buy this thing uh, at three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, the three forty nine price and the weird HomePod name were both kind of oddities to me. But again, this December, and I'm sure Apple's going to talk about it as a reminder during the fall. We have a new speaker coming out. Maybe it'll be better well, in a few months. <laughs> and I'm sure, no matter what, it's going to be the best smart assistant out there like they're going to tote this thing no matter how well they're going to find a way that they can say that it's the best in some sort of market whether or not there's actually other competitors in that market the way they word it i don't know but somehow it's it's definitely going to be the number one seller in that market yep and so two other things so apple positioned the entire event as six main bullet points Those four were really actual major bullet points. The next two kind of didn't deserve their own bullet points. But the first is (laughs) watchOS was updated. And they added some new watch faces. They improved the Workouts app so it's easier to activate it. And there's enhancements for Apple Music, though. No telling. it just So for me, for the watch, I use the Now Playing app so I can connect to Google Music or Pandora or any other kind of things. So the actual music app doesn't connect with those. So any improvements there, I didn't really care about. The only kind of neat thing is that Siri watch face is pretty cool, how it shows you the proactive proactive suggestions, and then it makes it in a scrolling interface rather than, you know, like specific boxes. Everything was a lot more cover flow idea to the entire interface. But it's a really minor watchOS update. WatchOS 2 and WatchOS 3 did a whole lot more than WatchOS 4 does. You didn't like the Woody, Jess, Jesse, and Buzz uh, new watch faces? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did think there was actually one aspect personally. Like, I don't own an Apple Watch that I thought was really interesting and something might get me to consider to get one, at least for my wife, is 
they have now uh, ways for other developers to use this, like add the new doc stuff in. So one of them that they mentioned in there was continuous glucose monitoring via Dexcom, which my wife wears one of these. She's diabetic. And so right now she has it connected so it talks to her phone. For her to be able to like just have it right on a watch to then alert her if she's running low or high or something that that she knows that she has to get some food or take some insulin, it that would be an excellent way to have it just right there in your wrist and not have to worry about having your phone on you because your watch you obviously keep on all the time unless you're obviously charging it. But uh, I thought that was a nice addition to their feature set and something that might be more compelling to make me want to get it. And I'd like to see what other developers start to do with this to be able to have access to this information and be able to, to directly interface with the Apple Watch. And then there's the gym machine connectivity too, where it can yes, get yeah, data I, that it doesn't I don't know have. how that. I'm sure that's going to take a while to roll out unless there's already infrastructure within these machines that a software update might be allowed them to do it. But I'm sure, I don't think gyms are going to be updating their equipment that rapidly to, to bring in new stuff to support this. Right. And so that's watchOS 4. It's coming this fall, though. Again, this isn't a beta. I'm going to run out to download onto my watch. And then finally, <laughs> there's Apple TV which there's no tvOS update it's essentially Amazon is bringing the prime video app to the Apple TV so all those days of headaches of trying to use airplay from the Amazon app and having to disconnect or fail to connect or suck connecting or disconnect after a minute those days will soon be over because there'll be a standalone <laughs> prime video app and Apple mentioned it through their TV app though I wasn't sure if it's going to connect with it you know where it shows, you know, you can continue your progress and it gives you suggestions and reminders and all that good stuff. They mentioned it at the exact same time. They mentioned the 50 partners they have through that TV app. So I'm assuming yeah. it's going to be part of that. The, the other curious thing they said was... I just wish they was, would have said Amazon is a partner. You know, here's our fitney part, 50 partners and then now we're introducing the Amazon app. If you had Amazon, wouldn't you say now Amazon's going to be part of our TV app and then you show some of their shows in the up next view? That's what yeah, was weird. Yeah. Well, the annoying thing about that TV app is for me, some of the stuff Comcast isn't supported. So I, it's, it's useless to me because I can't I can't authenticate through that for all of my content. And so I don't know. I haven't checked recently to see if it's been updated, but I couldn't before. Like HBO, I couldn't add through that. And there were other ones that I couldn't add for that universal sign-in. And then you could have access to all these apps. For some reason, Comcast seems to be one that's not fully supported yet. The, it, and one other thing they did mention when they – like the tvOS was like so brief and quick. I'm like, they're going to fly through these six things if we're going this fast because <laughs> this was the first one they mentioned. But they did say you'll be hearing more about this later in the year. So I don't know if later in the year we're going to have it like maybe at the iPhone event or maybe just later in the year. We're going to finally see some kind of 4K support with an Apple TV. They've got to be updating the hardware to support 4K and – 
I'm assuming there's going to be some other event where either it's going to be like one of these quiet things where they just kind of breeze it through, or maybe we will have a full-on event where they show it off. But there's got to be addition of 4K support, and that's got to be what they're talking about with this. We're going to hear more about this later in the year. And otherwise, I don't know what else, unless there's other providers they're going to be revealing later in the year. They need to add Netflix to that TV app. And make sure that Amazon's yes. part of that TV app. And then 4K, like an actual hardware update, 4K Apple TV, I'd probably buy because I have the 4K TV, even though my 4K TV has Amazon and Netflix already to show those things in 4K. So, I don't know. Apple TV, Apple could do more with it. And since they're not, people are finding alternatives. Yep. And so I think that's everything for WWDC Keynote 2017. It was a long yeah. one. It was a long one, but I mean, it felt actually pretty quick this year. But it was a it was actually a good show this year. But hopefully, we uh, covered pretty much the most important content. I think we covered pretty much everything, but uh, the most important details for you. Yep. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.